0: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool podcast. My name is Michael Barth and this is Owner's Stories Day. We're up to number 68 uh, and very shortly I'm going to be joined by um, Derek and Derek's coming in from the US. Uh, Derek, uh, by the list of cars that he's owned that he's just sent me uh, yesterday, I think it was. Derek is a real car guy. I'm going to try and fit it all into an hour. I don't know how we're going to because he's had a lot of cars and a lot of Porsches in there as well. So we've got a good chat coming up. You would have seen from the title the couple that he has at the moment. Um, so we're going to talk about those. Um, and that's about it. So let me just let me just get Derek. He's coming in from the U.S. I haven't actually asked Derek exactly where he is, um, but he's coming in from the U.S. Um, and we're going to start talking to Derek about his Porsche-cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool podcast and welcome back to Owner Stories. Like I said, number 68. Um, We're almost at 70, only a couple more to go. Um, Hopefully, I'll get that far. Today, I want you to uh, welcome Derek. Derek's here with me now. Uh, Good evening, Derek. Thanks for coming on the podcast today.
1: Hey, good evening, Michael. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And I'd like to apologize before we go any further, because I did cancel you the other day, so I apologize for that. Um, my, unfortunately, my day job got in the way, as it does every now and again.
1: It's a pesky thing.
0: Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek's coming in from the US, uh, just so the listeners know. Uh, Derek, you're in New Hampshire, correct, you told me, which is in New England. I got it right.
1: Yes, yes, the northeast of the United States.
0: I have been, I, I just want to let you know, I have been looking at your Instagram too, and I noticed um, there was a car on your Instagram, which you haven't given me on your list. So I'm wondering oh, where that came from. Which one was that? The three five six.
1: Oh, I don't have it on there. No, I said just so, just so everyone knows, I I shot over a quick list of some of the cars I've owned in the past to Michael, so that's what he's referencing. Um,
0: is that an old photo? Is it?
1: It was uh it was a '64 three five six. I guess I don't have that on my list.
0: Oh, maybe you do. Maybe you do. I just saw it on your Instagram, and I thought that was a current photo. Oh, you do '64 three five six, but that's not a current car, though, is it?
1: Before it we get not. into
0: it. It is not. No, is not.
1: no, no. It's one I've unfortunately let go.
0: Very unfortunate because the C is the one. I want to talk about that when we get into your Porsches because I, I don't understand why you would let that one go. That one's a fantastic oh. one to keep. It's a keeper.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> it was a real beauty too.
0: All right. Let me just let this know. So Derek sent me across a list, and Derek's one of the few owners that I've had on. There's been a handful of the owners that actually have a lot of cars. Derek's got a really strong car passion. I can see by the cars he's owned. He's had a lot of cars in total. I didn't add up the total, Derek. I I, I don't even know how many there are. There's a lot. Um, but I will, let the, I will let the listeners know now there's 11 Porsches I counted. Um, Derek's into bikes as well, so we're going to talk about that. But before we get into the cars, before we get into where it all started, before we get into where all the Porsches started, let's go back to the very beginning. And when you first started noticing Porsche, Derek, was it something when you were growing up that, used to see around the neighborhood or used to have friends or family own it. When did you first start, start noticing Porsche? And when did this car bug happen to you? When did it all start for you?
1: Sure. Um, well, I, I, where I grew up, um, it was pretty blue collar. And, and I can't ever truly remember seeing, you know, that classic story of a Porsche driving by or, you know, on a school bus seeing one pull up next to you or anything like that. Um, there was a Porsche dealer a few towns over um, but you know we really never had any occasion to go by there. um the funny thing is, I think my first exposure to the brand was someone had given us I must have been maybe eight or ten years old, and they gave us a, a die cast uh, Porsche models they, not not match but they were maybe six or eight inches long. they oh yeah, they they were made of kind of a heavy die cast and i I remember specifically that there was a a brown. Uh, long hood and then there was uh, like a police branded, like a German police branded uh, early 9-11 and I think at 356 too and my brother and I, my younger brother and I would race them around the house and smash them into things and, you know, as little kids do, not appreciating them and the doors would fall off and, and the hoods would fall off and we really beat them up unfortunately, but I always remember just thinking they had such a cool shape, so unlike anything else I had ever seen Um, so I I do think that that stuck with me. And then fast forwarding to a high school, um, one of the kids, uh, in my uh, high school pulled up in, gosh, I think it might've been a 2.7, maybe maybe like a 76 or 77. Um, it was pretty beat up, but he and his dad were working on it and he would, he pulled up to high school in it. And, and I was just like, God, that was like out of a movie. It was like, you know, just you know just kind of got up and and he walked he walked into class and I just looked at it I was like oh my gosh what is that so I think ever since then that that was really where my my attention kind of came from to the brand and um you know it wasn't until after college that I kind of dove in myself and started with the transaxles and worked my way towards the rear engine cars.
0: So when did the um when did the motorcycle bug start kicking in was that from a young age or did that happen a little bit later in life?
1: No, no. Um, my, my parents told me that they'd kill me if I ever got a motorcycle. And so it was never in my plans. And, um, my, again, my brother, um, found an old beat up Kawasaki, something or other. And I think it was running on three of the four cylinders and he stashed it at my house and it was sitting in my driveway for, you know, a month or two. And then one day I just said, you know what, I'm just going to take it up and down the, the road. I made it maybe 20 feet. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just <laughs> so crude and so awesome. And yeah. I don't even think I had a helmet on. It was just it was awesome. And after that, I was like, all right, that's it. And I went and took a course.
0: Yeah, I have the bug as well to get another motorcycle. I shouldn't, but I have the bug. I've only owned one and it's very small CC, like 250 CC when I basically learned. And I had it. What was the brand? Honda
1: oh
0: beautiful a honda vtr 250 i had because that was the bike you had to get to learn on here in australia mm-hmm. and i had it for i don't know four years or three or four years and then i got rid of it but i always sort of still look i'm still looking it never goes away you still because there's a different feeling isn't it that feeling when you're on a motorcycle and you're especially on you know curvy roads and things like that in the air on a nice day when it's a bit crisp it's just a it's just a really cool feeling
1: i i do think it's as close to that pure driving feeling as you can get. I know people say having a convertible is like that, but I do think a bike is one step above. Yeah. And, you know, those, it, sometimes I would even say those smaller bikes, the the smaller Hondas are even more pure too, because it, you're, you, it's, you're, it's, you're not sitting in it, you're sitting on it. Yeah. And you, you you know, on a quiet morning, it's just you and nature, which is just fantastic.
0: They're a great little bike. They're a great, very reliable and very, you know, spirited sort of little bike for what they were. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into let's get into the cars. We have the car collection. We have the list of cars that you've that you've owned over the years. And, you know, it's about what is it? About forty cars, forty odd cars, I think in total, including motorcycles, cars and motorcycles, about forty two, I think, from your list.
1: Yeah, I have a problem.
0: When you have a problem, other people have said the same thing. Actually, other owners. When you get to that many, though, there's always that. There's always like we always like to talk about the the, the most memorable one, Derek. The most memorable one, whether it be the first one because it was the first car you could afford to buy, or was it one of the lo- one of them in between? And then I'd like to ask you the other question as well. What is the one you regret selling the most out of that list? Normally, we buy a car at certain times in our life, and that makes us remember that car. What is the most memorable car ride out of the list for you? Or you can have more than one, of course.
1: Yeah, no, that's, it's a great... it's a great. <laughs> I have different cars that are memorable for different reasons. You know, learning to drive a stick on one of my very first cars, a Honda Prelude, little teeny two-liter, um, I thought was an absolute rocket. I, if you had told me that this was as close to a Ferrari as you could get, I would have believed you. Um, and you know, it's, I can only imagine if I were to get back in it now, but I learned to stick on that. And I had such amazing memories of, you know, hitting a hundred miles an hour and, um, you know, driving around with five friends in it and they're coming out the window. So <laughs> great memories there. Um, learning to drive on an old, um, grand marquee station wagon with the wood panels on the sides and, you know, the big. Oh, okay. So, so there for sure. And then, but I, I would say probably a car that still holds my heart um, because I loved looking at it was my first Porsche. It was an 87 944S, black on black. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. It just standing still with the haunches and the shape and the stance. And I just think it's a beautiful car and I was so proud to own it. Um, so,
0: Definitely a favorite. So that was a 944S. So the list, the list of cars you gave me is that the list of order you purchased the cars? That's where they all. That's from beginning to end. It is. Yeah. It is. So the Grand Marquis station wagon—that's the one with the wood. That's what you. That's what you had as your very first car. Then you had mm-hmm. the Prelude, like you said, which was an eighties Prelude. And then you've had another couple of cars in between there—a Mercury Cougar, which I'm not familiar with—and then you've had another wagon. So you go from <laughs> right. those. You go from those yeah. cars. And then you think one day, you know, I want a Porsche. That's a jump. What made you? What made you think about getting a Porsche? What was? What was the deciding factor there? And why did you go for the nine four four instead of say a nine eleven?
1: Oh, it was because I was working a job making less than zero money, and okay. um, uh, I did a nine eleven was just so far outside of my realm of conception, but. Um I did know someone that had a 944 it was a Guards red and it was absolutely gorgeous and they babied it and they took better care of it um than uh, any car I'd ever seen and so it always stuck in my head and um you know back then this was pre internet really
2: yeah.
1: um I would go on the want ads and there was a one ad for a 944 ads, black on black and it was in the next town over um and I didn't even know what it looked like at the time I had to I had to go look it up but um, I just kind of had the I had the you know for the price I think it was maybe four thousand dollars or something like that and I didn't even have that I think I had to take a loan out to to buy it but um, I just said why not you know it's kind of that youthful exuberance mixed with uh, what can possibly happen, not understanding what the cost of a window regulator is for a 944 and that it could probably <laughs> bankrupt you, yep. you know. Um, and uh,
0: Did you know anything about 944s at the time, Derek? I mean, because you bought a 944, but you didn't just buy a 944. You found a 944s. And like you said, the days where a lot of people... I'm sure there's a few listeners of the podcast that won't remember it where there was, you know, no images on ads. It was basically you go and look for an ad and that was it. You go and look for a car and then you find out what it's like when you, when you you know, stumble upon it. But did you know the difference between a 44 and a 944 and a 944S or was it just by chance you happened to get the S, which is, as we know, the slightly better one?
1: It, yes. No, I didn't know, quite honestly. And uh, I didn't know what, what, is, what is it's on the side, ventilator on the side. And um, 16 valve I had I really had no idea um, and it wasn't until later that I found out the difference
0: so how was that feeling then because it's your first Porsche right so there, there is there is a lot of joy there when people get their first Porsche and you've had you know Mercury's you've had uh, a couple of Mercuries. you've had the Honda Grand Marquis st- station wagon so completely different cars and then you go and pick up this black on black 944 how was the drive back after you picked it up from the uh, previous owner?
1: Well, that's a funny story. Um, well, the heat was stuck on. And so it was the dead of summer and the heat was stuck on. And I, I was dying, um, uh, it, dying of heat. I had the, the uh, sunroof, um, you know, propped up on its, on its little legs, the windows down and just the heat was just blasting. And um, I drove it down probably about an hour to visit my girlfriend because I wanted to show her my girlfriend, now wife. Um, right. I was so proud of it and so I said I pull up outside of her place and she comes out and she had no idea what it was you know she grew up in a small like little village and and I was just so proud of this car it was so beautiful and I said oh I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna go out to dinner come on so we hop in and we head downtown and um it's in a in a city called Providence and I park the car not on the main street because it was very crowded and god forbid I get a ding on the door um so we park a street back and uh, we get out, and I grab my wallet out of the back seat and lock up, and we head to dinner. And through dinner, I'm, I'm having a lovely conversation, but I'm always thinking about my brand-new car sitting over there, you know. <laughs> God forbid yes. someone walked by it, you know. So um, dinner dinner finishes up, and we head back, and I see my car, and it's under a street lamp, and it's absolutely gorgeous, you know. And it looks like it's sitting on a pile of snow. It's like glistening and this is the dead of summer.
2: Right. And it
1: wasn't, it was broken window. Um, oh, really? And, and so, someone had bashed in on my first day of ownership, bashed uh. in the window and stolen, you know, uh, my laptop and whatnot that was inside. Um, And so I was absolutely crestfallen, you know, and we get in the car and I'm driving her back to her place and uh, pull up to a stoplight right outside of her place. And all of a sudden this, Someone yelled. Someone yelled some obscenity, and a of all things, a, a yogurt packet flew through the air and hit the windshield. Really? And splatted yogurt all over the front of the car. And I couldn't even see the windshield wipers. You know, made a big streak. And so that was my first day of ownership. I was so proud. And <laughs> so <laughs> a
0: broken, a broken window, a break-in, and abuse on the way back.
1: A bit, a bit. So I That's guess there's one entry in there. Yeah. Yeah. But but it got better from there, Michael. I was
0: gonna say it could only get better. It must have got better because you've owned another ten since then. So it must have got better. It didn't it didn't deter you at all. It didn't didn't make you go keep away from the brand.
1: Not at all. Not at all. It was nothing nothing I had ever driven. Now granted I hadn't driven much at that point, um, but handled like a nine four four. The the steering was just beautiful, the balance was wonderful. It didn't have a ton of power, but again, for someone at my age at that time it had plenty of power and i had a blast and i loved
0: it so what 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 else out of the list of cars though what are the other cars there and we'll get into the porsches in depth but what about the other cars there was there anything that you regret selling was there another car there a memorable car or a car you really do think well i should have kept that one today because that was that was a, in hindsight that was a really special car
2: mm.
1: um You know, a lot of the cars that I've owned, um, I used in business. I drive a lot. And so I'd put, you know, 30,000, 40,000 miles a year on a lot of, you know, the BMWs or the BMW sedans or the BMW SUVs. And so I can't say that any of them I miss, bar I did have a BMW um, X5 diesel. Right. And that little truck, I had snow tires on it. It would go through any storm. It was the most comfortable, beautiful um, SUV. It was actually one of my favorite cars, you know, that are outside of the, the sports arena yeah. I've ever owned. I absolutely loved it. And I was, I drove it to 180,000 miles, and I was gutted when the motor gave up because I wanted to drive it more. What I year was that, that Derek?
0: Which one was that, the X5? That was an 014. Oh, 014. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's get into that because... We're going to go through all the Porsches. I think we will go through all the Porsches, Yvonne, because I think there's there's probably a little story to each of them. And I think the listeners would like to hear those stories because you've had a really good selection of Porsches. A lot of people, you know, listening to the podcast will think, wow, I want to have one of those. Or, you know, how did you manage to get that? You know, especially when we talk about a 930 and things like that, you know, and the 356C, for example. And the car you have today, which is, you know, one of my favorites, which is the one that I always you know as much as a 912 fan and that I am and I've spoken about it many times before and I haven't gone off that trip um the 911 T is the one that I would prefer you know what I mean that's always the one that I prefer and I know you have one of those I'm going to talk about that so when it comes to you know your current cars I mean it seems like you said you know you have you've had a lot of current car a lot of cars that you use for work and it seems like you've had cars that you use for the bikes as well right so the current out of your current cars you have you have a GMC, which is a truck, I'm guessing. That's a truck, right? The 1500?
1: A pickup truck, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that'd be for, that'd be for the bikes. So you have practical cars for the bikes. Is that what you mainly use that for?
1: <laughs> to, to put the bikes in the back to yeah. take them places? Do you transport
0: sure. them places or not?
1: I, the state I live in, Michael, is a pretty rural. And so I'm really blessed to go out my door and have some beautiful driving roads. So I don't generally have to transport my bikes much okay. by the truck unless... I have to, you know, take them to a shop and I can't do the work myself.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So let's get into the, let's start with the Porsches then. <clears throat> let's start at, you know, we've, we've gone through the 944S and that was the second Porsche that you owned. Let's, let's just briefly go through these ones till we get to the current day. So the, the first Porsche you owned, um, the very first one, was that, was that the 44 or was that the 924?
1: The nine. 9- the The nine four four was the first one that ran and drove and and I, it was my daily driver the nine two four was a real bucket of bolts. My little brother found it again in the want ads I think, and uh it was one of those where it was in the yard and the hood was up, and we pulled up and I think it was guards red right at one point in its life, but it had a lot of primer and right someone someone was trying to make a career g t out of it and um <laughs> okay. they cut the, they had cut the wheel wells and it was it was a mess um And so he somehow got it started for us to prove it worked. I don't know what wires he crossed, um, but it sat in our garage. And we I'll say this, the one thing uh, that – two things that were wonderful about it is it got us to dream about what could be. um, And we were excited for that. And we also learned how to read German wiring diagrams, which is a whole um, feat in itself. So did you Um, and
0: your brother work on that car? Did you try to get it back and running, did you?
1: Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah. Like uh, it was pretty much pre-internet and we had, we found some shop manuals and, um, we never got it on the road. I'm really sad to say we tried really hard and, but we were kind of going to school, um, and going off to college and it it just kind of fell by the wayside.
0: Okay. So you start to get familiar with the brand though. You're getting familiar with the brand and that was the first, so that was the very first one then the 924
1: turbo. Yes.
0: Okay, so then you bought the 944S. What happened after the 944S? How long did you keep that for? And was it, was it trouble-free f- motoring during the, the time of ownership?
1: You know, in retrospect, I would say it was under my ownership. It, you know, there were little things that went, as you'd expect, with an older car. Yeah. Um, and I tried to fix what I could myself. A starter goes or some brakes. I taught myself how to do that back then. Um, I passed along to my younger brother when I got the nine eleven SC, um, and unfortunately, uh, it, it uh, I, the timing belt went on the nine four four S and bent a valve, and um, you know the Achilles heel of that car. And yes. so, unfortunately, he had to sell it along.
0: So, what happens after the nine forty four then? What do you what do you start looking for then? Do you think then, okay, I'm I've got enough money, I've, I'm earning good money now prices have come down maybe do i look for a 911
1: so i did yeah i i i think i passed the 944 to him and i found a 911 sc i still was not making very good money or really any money but um you know back then a 911 was a ten thousand, twelve thousand dollar car and so you know i was able to stretch and 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 get that because i don't know I think my whole, my whole thing then was why wait until I'm 65, you know, it's a beautiful car. It it's fantastic. You know, if I have to take a loan out and no one's not fiscally responsible. And, and again, being completely, I don't know, ignorant to realities, I just thought it would be a daily driver and I wouldn't have any issues with it. Right. So why not have a classic 911 as your daily driver? Yeah, and,
0: and the SC was a good price at, at one point there, wasn't it? It wasn't too expensive compared to other 911s, so it was a good entry to get in. It was one of those models that, let's be honest, a lot of people didn't like. Only people started to like them again now. It was hated for, for a bit there. What year did you buy that, though? How long ago was that?
1: Well, I, I want to say that that was probably in 2004. 2004. 2005, yes. So they were still ten, twelve thousand $12,000 for a decent one, and... Um, I have to say that, that, that car was just such a magnificent car and it was bulletproof. It really was that motor. Mm. It, it's, it started up in the dead of winter. It, I drove it every day for, I think we probably put 30,000 miles on it. Um, and at that time it was already a, you know, a 20, 22 year old car. Yeah, exactly. Such a wonderful car.
0: So when you get your Porsches though, are you a... Let's use that word that everyone uses. Are you a purist? Do you like to keep the cars original? Do you like to to play around with these cars once you've started buying them? I mean, you've had the 944S and now you're into a 911. We're going to get onto the next one in a second, but is that something you do or you just like to keep them pretty much original?
1: You know, I'll be honest. I think at that time, I didn't know what I was and I didn't have any money (laughs) to be anything else, you know, outside of Listen, that that listening to an air cooled engine you know when i felt that car made me fall in love with the brand the 944s was a great car and i really appreciated it the 911sc made me fall in love with the brand because i remember specifically i was in a really terrible mood one day maybe something associated with work and i was on the highway and i dropped it down one gear and i and the engine was just singing at i don't know maybe 5500 rpm And it was just the most relaxing thing. And I just fell in love with that car. So um, I didn't have any money to modify it. Uh, As a matter of fact, I think I even sold a couple parts it came with. I think the guy had like a big, some sort of big aftermarket exhaust that was crazy loud that I ended up selling. But um, no, that was just really more of a, a transport and then I just fell in love with it.
0: What was the what was the, the main difference then from going? People who don't know who are listening. The main difference from going from a nine four four to a nine eleven was it the was it the balance of weight? Was it the power? Was it just the history of the nine eleven? What was it that you think that made it feel just like you said? You went out in that drive and it just you know blows blows you away. It's relaxing. It's just a different experience.
1: Yeah, the the nine four four is a wonderful driving car from a technical standpoint. It goes around curves beautifully. It handles wonderfully. Um, but it doesn't have a ton of character when you compare it to a 911 SC. It's a little more muted. Right. You can't really hear the motor. Um, you know, where the 911 SC is just, it's so loud and raucous, at least to me at that time, it was just um, so much more engaging. And as we kind of talk about some of the cars that I've had the, um, the pleasure of owning, I think it's more, it's a search for more engagement, more character, you know, making more of a connection and and, um, and, and sometimes I have a car that does that more than another. Um, and so the nine, okay. the 911 SC, the sound, the smell, the smell of the oil, the smell of the leather, it was just a wonderful experience.
0: Okay. And, and you know, so you've got the SC, you've got the Civic Carrera you know, we all want a little bit more. We always drive our car for a bit and think we just want a little bit more power. We want something a little bit more special. Is this why the next car happened? Tell the listeners what, what came after that? Cause it's a special one.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I, I had sold uh, that car. Um, I was, uh, working quite a bit and I think I had a motorcycle for a time, uh, one or two bikes. And then I just missed the nine eleven, and, um, I I had heard wonderful things about the turbo. You know there, that there was a, a video Porsche put out probably back in the 80s or 90s where they kind of talked about their their 911s and like the final car they showed was the 930. You know, was going up over these hills with these beautiful haunches and just this gorgeous black shape. And I said, wow, that's just a beautiful car. Um, and so that's what I searched for, and I found one a few states away. And and again, you know. All of these things have to kind of be looked at through the prism of, you know, they weren't what they are now in terms of how they're regarded, in terms of what they're worth. Um, You know, if anything, my friends always joke with me that I have the pleasure of finding and falling in love with cars about three or four years before they get really (laughs) valuable and famous. And I've already sold
0: them. That's okay though, Derek, because you're buying it for the passion. You know what I mean? You're buying it because you really enjoy buying it. And who knew in, and I'm guessing you bought that 930 watt in 2005, 2006 or something, was it? Or a bit later? It,
1: I think it was probably, it was It was the car I got married in. Uh, we left the church in it. So I think that oh, was 0, 07, 08, 08. Gosh, but you I should sold that. It. Don't, don't you, tell sold the car,
0: you, you sold the car you got married in.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we won't had, get into that. No, no, but well, listen. So, all right, here comes here comes the first controversial thing I'll say. Right. Um, the nine thirty is a beautiful car to look at. Yes, it's not necessarily a beautiful car to drive. And yes, it, it,
0: I've heard other people say that too.
1: Yes, and 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 I'll tell you why. And again, please these are my opinions from me because I I'm sure your audience is screaming at their radio Some right now, be, but yes. yeah, no, it's, listen, it's an iconic car, no doubt. And it's gorgeous. Um, you know, it, that motor has such low compression that when you're not on boost, just puttering around town. Um, it's, it's a real chore to drive. You know, yes. it's, it's, it, it goes beyond engaging. It's actually work. And, Um, you know, you'll break a sweat if you're in traffic and you're trying to change lanes and uh, you're trying to, you know, um, go down like small, slower roads. It's sprung a little bit more tightly, so it doesn't do great over, you know, rough roads. But the real thing for me and why I actually decided to sell it was, you know, they always talk about how the turbo is a light switch, you know, you hit 4,000 and all of a sudden the boost is there. Well, that couldn't be more correct. And I found... That the only time I ever really opened it up was on an on ramp to a highway. You know, you right. do the on ramp, you'd be in. I mean, first was good for sixty miles an hour, so you you'd nail first, slam it into second, you'd be doing a hundred miles an hour in second, and then all of a sudden you shift to fourth because it was only four speed, and then it might as well have been a Honda because you're just on the on the highway, you know, doing highway speed. So okay. I. It was almost too much car for the highways to really enjoy. And to really enjoy it, you had to be going fast.
0: And I think that's a general opinion of the 930, isn't it? I mean, as groundbreaking as it was when it came out in the 70s, you know what I mean? It really was. The technology behind it, you know, all of that, all of the things behind the turbo, um, the 930 turbo were, were, ground, were groundbreaking for Porsche. It was a, It was a huge car for them. But that thing oh, with the sure. boost and like you said and the power, that's been said. I've heard that on other podcasts. I've heard read articles about it. I think someone else who's been on Owner's Stories told me about it. In fact, I think even James at Porsche Platz here in um Australia from Adelaide, um RSR Classics, I mean he always loved the SC. He said the SC is a great nine eleven for the power delivery, for the experience. Um I don't know whether he compared it to a turbo, but I know he said the SC was was one of his favorites and he's owned a few.
1: You know what, Michael? It, the, the SC had five gears and the turbo had four. Four gears, and yeah. So, and so, you know, if your idea of driving, especially on B roads, right, is growing through the gears and enjoying yourself, yeah. you never did that with a turbo because you were in second gear, second gear where you were doing 30 or you're doing 90. You never had to shift.
0: But the turbo looks very cool.
1: Beyond cool. <laughs> what color did you have? Absolute sexiness. It it was... um. I'm afraid I don't remember the paint code number. It was black, but it was kind of like a like a gray black. It was like okay. a ghost black. it was it was pretty beautiful.
0: So how long did you keep it for? Did you keep it for very long, or was it just too much of a car and you thought it's not giving me the pleasure that I need from a nine it, eleven
1: it it I had it for a few years um and also like to be fair to the car, you know, I, I didn't I wasn't at a place in my life yet. I was still um, you know, just married. We lived in a, an apartment and it lived outside under a car cover. If you can imagine oh, right. Uh, in new England, which, you know, we get snow. I mean, our winter is six to eight months long. So um, it, it, it wasn't really fair to the car. Uh, so, um, you know, I ended up, I ended up selling it probably after two or three years um, and wanted something maybe a little bit more engaging, something that kind of going back to that. sea. I, I find myself, Always chasing that SC in terms of
0: the experience. Oh, it's good. Good to know. Yeah, I know the SC is very. It's really come of age. The SC, I have to say, it really has. People are. I mean, the prices have gone up. I mean, I don't know. Prices in the US. I know prices in Australia have gone up a lot. But you know, even the turbo. You know, the 930 turbo. You had the 79 turbo. It's probably five times the amount now than what it was in Australia in in 2005. That's how much it's gone up. If not more. If not more.
1: So I would had say a, the same same multiplier here. Yep, same
0: multiplier. It. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. I mean it, it you know, look, you know, we all have a life to live and, and things happen in our life and when you buy these cars and you don't realise what you have, you know, until later and, and things change with Porsche so quickly, you know, things that are hated are loved and things that are invaluable are valuable. So you never know. But you know, even the small collection you have, you think do you ever think back and think, Wow, if I would have had these cars in my garage outside now and I've got a great I've got a great Porsche collection.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I guess I could kick myself in terms of that, but you know, I didn't. You know, I, I have had more experiences since then, so maybe I could appreciate the nine thirty more for sure now. But I'm glad I had it for the time I had it. It was a wonderful thing. I have great memories, but I don't necessarily miss it. And I know that's probably sacrilege to say, but um, you know, I love to drive my cars. I love to drive them, and if I don't enjoy driving them and it's not the first car I want to hop into, it doesn't matter if I have one or if I had five, I just, you know, they'll fall apart if you don't drive them, so.
0: Exactly. And look what you've experienced already. We're at the, you know, 924, well, 924 was a different one, but the 944S, the 911SC, the 930. So what comes next? Because we go a bit of a change of pace here. Um, you, you've had air cooled, and now we're going to something different. What comes next, um, Derek?
1: Yeah. So uh, and again, it, I seemed at that point in my life, I'd bounce between a sports car and then I'd miss driving a motorcycle. So I'd sell that car and I'd get a motorcycle. You know, usually like an older BMW uh, Airhead or something like that. And um, and then I'd I'd drive the motorcycle for a year or two and then I'd miss a Porsche and I'd okay. go back to that. So um, after that, I actually found a, a O. Oh, gosh, I think it was an O six Boxster S. Okay. Um, so second, second generation convertible uh, blue. I'm in love with the Porsche blue colors and uh, it was blue on on beige saddle interior. It was a really sharp car. And how
0: was the, so the Boxster all around as a driver's car, did it feel better to you than, than being in the turbo?
1: From a, from a driving standpoint, yes. I know that sounds crazy, but from a day-to-day enjoying driving, um, it was much more accessible. You weren't afraid to park at places. You could do, you know, a couple hundred miles without an issue or any worries. It was, it was nice in that respect. It was definitely more modern. So you lost a lot of the character, but I don't know. It's kind of funny, right? Like as cars get more and more sterile and they get more and more insulated in yep. the in the pursuit of comfort, Car, I find myself going back to cars that I thought were insulated and saying, man, those are actually drove pretty darn well, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, so that was, quite, remember- new at,
0: was that quite new at the time. Sorry, Derek. That was quite new at the time when you bought that thing because it was an 06, wasn't it? The Boxster? Boxster S, yeah, it was, right?
1: It was a few years old, maybe. I think maybe this was uh, maybe 09, 2009, 2009, 2010.
0: But it's a manual, right, for sure?
1: For sure. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yep. So you have the yep. Boxster. We've got to get through. We've got to get to the current one because I want to talk about the current one. We get we have the Boxster, and then you go back to air cooled. Tell the listeners what what you you bought after that. So was there a bike in between this one? Was there a BMW because you are a big BMW fan, aren't you? And I, you know, I think anyone that looks at motorcycles has to appreciate um, BMWs because they're really uh, great bikes. And I notice you've got an R nine T as well, your current bike, which I think are really nice looking bikes. Um, my friend in Bahrain TV. actually just picked up a. He's got a KTM Super Duke. I think it is super Duke 11 going by memory, here, 1100, 1190. I think it is. And he just picked up a nineties, um, R 1100 GS, I think.
1: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, the BMW bikes are, you know, compared to a Ducati or uh, some of the Japanese bikes are, they really drive like tractors, you know? Um, but I think that's why I love them that, Number one, pretty much any BMW motorcycle that's a GS, which I've had a couple uh, GS adventures, as well as a lot of the older airheads, the slash fives and slash sixes. Right. Um, you can work on them on the side of the road, you know, and you can do all the own maintenance yourself. And so I really love that because uh, I really love to work on my own stuff. And then, um, you know, beyond that, there's something just pure about them that. Once you get the carbs tuned up, they sing, and right. it's a very honest mechanical sound. And I found that BMWs are one of the one of the bikes that really um, speak to me. So I really love them. I think just think I and, I and I think that they're an acquired taste, but I find them
2: beautiful.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I think they go well with the Porsches as well. It's kind of nice side by side. I mean, some of those old GSs are beautiful, though. Some of the you know the white, red, and blue ones, and some of the really oh, yeah. early ones are beautiful. Um, so you had the Boxster. You get into another BMW after that, another bike, and then you get into another air cool. Tell the listeners what you bought next, um, Derek.
1: I think after that I had a ninety-five nine nine three. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I think no, I had a nine fourteen. Nine fourteen. Uh, yes. 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 The nine fourteen. But again, uh, this was a lot like that nine two four turbo that I had. I found. <laughs> I found okay. it. I found it in a yard in New Hampshire. It was covered in moss in tree branches. And, um, you know, I think like any car guy, right. You see it and you just think of potential. Oh gosh, what it could be. Right. Like, how was the rust? It was there. Definitely there, Michael. It was there. So, um, but, but my eyes were bigger than my reason and I put it on a trailer and took it home to my garage and, on Craigslist I sourced a 914 race motor from a race and uh, en- engine okay. um from a race car and I was going to pull out the I think it was what was the motor in that like a 1. 1.4, 1. 1.7, it was a 1.7 I was going to pull that out so I then I put the race motor in and um I was going to enjoy the 914 but the motor had been sitting for so long that the clutch was frozen. Right. Um and so it wouldn't move and uh and instead of pulling it all apart again after all those hours of work of the engine swap I ended up I ended up putting it up on Craigslist and selling it.
0: Were you going to do this but you're going to do the work yourself? Oh sure yeah. So you're quite mechanical then you're quite you you like working on your cars as much as you do on your bikes?
1: I do yeah I have a little lift and um, and in my basement I have a lift for my motorcycles and I love to wrench in my non-existent free time for sure. But I, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I'm mechanically inclined because I'm the guy that will, if there's a right way and a wrong way, I'll do it wrong twice before I can figure out the right way, you know, and learn from pain.
0: Are there some things, Derek, that you, that you won't touch that, you know, you have the lift, you can work on your cars, you can work on your bikes. So there's certain things you go, hang on, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give it to the specialist.
1: When it gets into... Um, severe electrical work you know like pulling the dash out sometimes that gets me a little worried um I think I would say the only thing that I'm really that I definitely stay away from is I have not rebuilt a Porsche motor and okay. um you know I, I haven't taken that step yet everything else you know I'll give it a swing and if for some reason it doesn't work out then you know hopefully I can fall into the arms of a, of a good Porsche mechanic but I'll give it a, I'll give it a try first
0: there's some good mechanics in uh, New Hampshire?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a there's a shop in uh, New Hampshire um, called Vintage Sports Restoration, VSR1, and they're kind of renowned as, um, I think, the, in, at least in the nation, maybe even in the world, one of the top BMW restorers. Okay. Um, and they also do some wonderful Porsche works. So Mario and Chris over there are just the absolute best. Um, oh, that's
0: great. Great you have and, something uh, so close by, something so good.
1: Yep, absolutely. they and you know what the best part is, Michael, is they don't make me feel bad when I walk in there with my tail between my legs because something's <laughs> rough and solid. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. That's good.
0: All right. So the nine fourteen didn't work out. It was a good idea though. I mean it didn't work out. So you got rid of that on Craigslist. And then comes the and you mentioned it already, then comes a another air cooled, more modern. Yep. Tell the listeners what you bought next.
1: Yep, yeah, my ninety-five nine nine three. Um with the yeah it was an, another blue car it was blue um with a i don't i don't know what Porsche called it it was kind of i guess that now they call it like a yachting blue interior it was a right. blue on blue
2: okay um
1: but it not it, it grows on you at first i was kind of like oof but um it definitely grows on you and uh also at that time even back then you know this is probably 2011 2012 2012 okay. um you know the nine nine threes weren't growing on trees. So no. um, when I found a good one that looked nice and checked out on PPI, I said, um, "I said, all right, let's do it." It was a C four. Oh, it was a C four?
0: Was it uh, so manual?
1: Oh, sure. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's funny with the the nine nine three, isn't it? There seems to be a lot with uh, gray interiors. Gray interiors are quite popular, and blue mm-hmm. on blue is very popular. I've seen a few of those pop up. All you know, in, whether in the UK or here. Um, oh, really? sort of matching colours um, what's the other colour? white white and green the adventure and, um, adventure and whatever you call it green the one that Steve had um, that always sort of comes up every now and again that's a pretty special colour so how was the 993 then? compared to the other 911s you've owned the 930 the 911 SC think back to the driving experience Derek how was the experience in the 993 did it feel too modern for an cooled, or did it feel better?
1: Well, from where I was at that point in kind of my journey, it definitely felt much more modern, much more sorted. It had had the G50 transmission. It was it was a comfortable car. It was certainly a car you could drive every day. Um and I did. I drove it a lot and I even had winter tires and I drove it in the winter. It was um it was a lot of fun. You know, it was definitely you know, you can see what Porsche did. You can, and I've never owned a 964, but you can see what Porsche did in terms of taking the car to its next logical step. And, um, having driven a 996, it, 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 it definitely kind of splits the difference. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I owned it for many, many years. Um, and that was a car I actually did modify later in my ownership. Actually, right before I sold it, I did. Okay. I did modify it pretty uh, heavily with some KW suspension, um, and uh, I went to Darren Fister and got the, the Stage Two. Um, I think you have that as well, right? I have the Fister um,
0: on my nine nine seven. Yeah, I think um, Steve. Um, who does a podcast with me? He did. Uh, he had on his 993. I think he had the Fister exhaust on that. He did a lot of RS sort of type components or things like that. He did a lot of mods to his 993. Um, but I think the the Fister exhaust for the 993 sounds pretty amazing, doesn't it? It's it's a very special one.
1: Oh, the sound! Absolutely. It. Yeah. The sound. The with the stage two. I have a friend that has a stage three in his 993, and it sounds great. But it is is that too loud. loud?
0: Stage three. Yes. It's yeah. too loud, it's, right? Stage two is the sweet spot I've read. Yeah.
1: It, it really is. It's very, stage three is, is, is a little bit more look at me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, stage two is for you. You know, it's someone you can, you can enjoy it yourself.
0: So the 993, when you bought it, did it have, was it a high mileage car or was it a low mileage car?
1: I want to say that I think it had maybe 42,000 miles on it.
0: Okay. So, reasonably low. So, you owned that for a few years. How long ago did you sell the 993, Derek?
1: I sold that car probably about four years ago, four or five years. So, I had that car for about six or seven years.
0: Wow. So, that was one you really did enjoy.
1: I did. I did. It was, you know, you you hear, you know, there's all these like famous sayings, you know, in Porsche ownership and it's, you know, that in the 993 is the the ultimate air cooled. And if you really want an air cooled, then that's what you want. And I think that's why I went for it and I purchased it. And and I enjoyed the ownership. Um, you know, I, I think having owned it, um, and again, here comes my next controversial statement. Um, I would, I would say that, um, while it's a great car, right. From a, from a looks standpoint, I think that the older cars are more impressive to me. I love how they look. And from a driving experience, it's just, you know, the nine nine three is a really comfortable car you can drive every day. With the fister exhaust, it was more visceral, no doubt. And with a, a more competitive suspension system, it it sure handled great. Yes. But it wasn't as engaging as some of the older cars. And so I don't I don't miss it.
0: Do you think that comes down to being a Carrera four and not a Carrera two? Or you just think it's yeah, just
1: no, I I think I think I think that, that probably definitely has something to do with it. And I've never driven a career or two and I can't really speak from experience on that, but you could definitely feel the heavier front end on the Career Four, okay. there's no doubt.
0: So you have the nine nine three. I think you go into a I think from you go into a bike after that, another bike, another BMW, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, an older older slash five from the early 70s.
0: Yeah, very uh, Oh, was it a 72 oh that's very special that one the r75s are nice very nice
1: i still have that bike it's, a, it's one of my favorites
0: oh that's the one still on your list that's the current oh right you do too okay very nice very nice so you go into that then you have a an audi we won't touch on the audi you have an audi q7 then you get something pretty special which you don't have today tell the listeners what came next eric
1: so I actually had the 993 at the same time. I found that uh, the 64 356 C. Okay. Um, and so I actually was very lucky enough to own them both at the same time for a period of time. Fantastic. Um, and two, two beautiful cars, very different for sure. Um, the 64 had a cool story. Uh, actually, I purchased it from, um, are you familiar with Nathan Mers? He's a uh, pretty, uh, uh, um, uh, big with uh, the Porsche Club of America over here?
0: Not really, no.
1: Sure. He does a lot of the, on like, the, um, tech tactics, he does a lot of the valuation um, things of where Porsches are going. Okay. Um, he's he's uh, a, a really accomplished collector, but he's kind of one of the, I don't know if you'd use the word authority, but I do because he's very knowledgeable. But anyways, he runs a small company where he finds really beautiful cars. I right. uh, usually one owner and, um, and then sell them along. So I found it through him and it was a one owner car from wow. 60, 64. Um, okay. So yeah, you bought, it, you, how, how many
0: years ago did you buy that?
1: I purchased that. I would imagine probably like 2015, maybe okay. 2016, something like that. So we're looking
0: at high values for a three, five, six. Why was there, were you looking for a three, five, six Derek? were you looking for a 356 or this one just came up and you thought it's a good time to dip my toes and, and try a 356? Because you bought the C and I think, I mean, I know the A's fetch higher values, right? But isn't the C the sought after one? Isn't that the one that people kind of enjoy the most?
1: I think I think that people agree that the C's are the most driver-focused cars. They're right. the ones that you can take on the road. They have power to keep up with traffic and they have disc brakes to stop. So from a from a pure driving standpoint, they might be a little bit more approachable. I mean, the A's are gorgeous yes. for sure. Um, but I actually think the C's are gorgeous too in their own way. Um, but that's why I, I was looking for a C. I, I, I If I was going to get a car, I wanted to drive it. And so that's, that was kind of where I focused. I looked for it. I did. It didn't come upon me. I was searching for a belly blue. Um, I'm oh, not okay. sure if you're familiar with that yes, color. I am. It's been, yes, I am. Just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, and, um, I couldn't find one. I I honestly, I think I did PPI's on at least four or five cars across the country, and I could not find a good one. Um, And so this was one of those times that, uh, you know, I listened to what the the wiser Porsche owners say, where they say, buy for condition, not for color. Okay. And so I did. And this was a ruby red, so not the brighter red. It was a dark maroon, beautiful color. Which is a nice Um, color.
0: Yeah, it's a nice color. How was yeah, the interior? Is. So the condition of this car was pretty immaculate, was it? The interior and everything? Did you have to do anything to it once you once you uh, purchased it?
1: Yeah, I I put it up on my left. I think I had to swap out some some shocks. Um, I think I had to change out the headlights. Um, I had to do a little bit of minor reconditioning on the motor. But Nathan did a really nice job of getting it sorted where it was a, in really nice shape to drive, and it could be driven. So um, the owner was, a uh, air force, um, maybe Lieutenant. And he was fastidious when it came to record. So I got a book, Michael, I got a book that had every, like, it was a like a notebook that had every gallon of gas that had ever gone in the car, really? you know, really it was, it was a, it was a rolling history project. It was just beautiful. Um, and it was actually a real honor to own and, and to kind of continue that, you know, continue the blog book on the gas and, continue the the receipts. And I actually reached out to the former owner and, and we kind of became friends because okay. I just wanted him to know I was going to take care of the car. How and old was he
0: then? He must've been in his, he 80s, was in his 70s?
1: late late seventies, early eighties, something like that. Yep.
0: Original owner.
1: Hmm.
0: Wow. Fantastic.
1: So I'm guessing really that cool.
0: sort of a car like that, you're not really going to mess with it. Are you, you're not going to mod it. You're not going to change anything. You didn't change seats out or do anything like that.
1: No, was it a, no, no?
0: Was it a, was it was the 356, is that an easy car to work on? Is it like working on a 912 or an early 65 911? It's, a, it's a quite an easy car.
1: It's a beautiful car to work on. Plenty of space. Uh, everything's accessible. It's, it was six volt still. And so once you kind of wrapped your head around that, it was nice. You know, that, the toughest part of owning that car, Michael, was the ethanol gas that ran through it. Because if it would sit for a long time, Um, I, I'd always back it out of my garage and I'd find a puddle of gas and, you know, one of the carbs I'd have to pull off and try to rebuild because the ethanol had eaten through the seals.
0: Right. Um, carburettors, can you actually work on those? Can you, aren't they a bit tricky to work on, on those cars? That's like, that's very specialist, very specialist work, Derek, to to fix the carburetors on a, on an early Porsche. It's, it's real black magic.
1: And I wouldn't... Time-consuming. Time-consuming, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. And um, I, beyond rebuilding them, which I could do with my journeyman skill, getting them adjusted is the real trick. And yes, that, is, that I'm afraid I have to admit was beyond me. Okay. That's when I called up my friends.
0: You called your friends for that one. So you got the 356. Um, is your brother driving Porsches at the same time? Because your brother has a Porsche passion too, right? Has he got... Porsche's in the garage where you guys are going out on drives at this period. Cause you've got your three, five, six, you must have thren- friends that have something that's pretty special as well.
1: Um, my brother's definitely a car guy. He, he went more into the BMW world. Uh, okay. He went into kind of classic BMWs from the eighties. And so he, he's really a fan of the BMW marquee. Um, and I do have friends that are, are car folks, but I have to say that uh, I haven't found anyone as sick as I am when it comes to the brand. <laughs> so yeah, um, so, you know, usually like when I had the 993 and the 356, it was cool to have someone over and we'd go for a drive and yeah. swap off, you know, and do that, which was great.
0: So which one went first then? You've got the 993. It's almost like a perfect two car, two Porsche car collection, really there 993 and a 356C. People would be very happy with that. I'd be happy with that. So then you've got those two cars, Derek. You decide that one has to go or they both have to go. What happens?
1: Um... You know, I, I, uh, I, I have a, a few um, kids and they were very small and right. the 356 had no seatbelts. And so I found that when I was to drive that, it would always be by myself and um, I could never take them with me. And I wanted to share that with them, you know, yep. so um, and also with the 356, this is, you've probably heard this before in your other owner stories, but it was so nice that you were petrified to park it anywhere you never wanted to leave it overnight anywhere to go stay in a nice hotel or whatnot so um you know i just would take it on a to a drives and that was fine but if i couldn't take my little boys then then it then that was what i made the decision to sell it um and so it went to a a really uh uh nice older lady out in california she was an avocado farmer and she absolutely loves it
0: really so how did you Mm -hmm. so? how do you go about so you how did you go about selling the 356? Did you just do it privately or you go through some kind of broker? How do you do it? You just organize the sale of your own cars? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. At that time I definitely did. Um, I think I, she actually found me through the Porsche uh, club of America. I think I posted it there. It wasn't, you know, I, I guess really you just try to look for where you think people would appreciate it the most. Right. And, um, and that was where I landed and that's where it was found. And, the nine nine three actually went on red list, I think, okay. and found a real enthusiast there.
0: The three five six was how many years of ownership, Derek?
1: I had that for I would say about three three years.
0: Okay, so we don't we don't like to talk dollars and and cents that much here. But after three years on a three five six C, you must have been quite happy when you moved that on. That would have given you money to get into your next uh, your next Porsche.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, it it w- what I can say about pretty much all of my ownership of the brand, I've never gotten hurt, you know, it's, I've never, I've always ended up selling them before the, they explode in value, you know, yes. but I've always been able to really drive them and enjoy them and then pass them along and use that money to kind of roll into the next project. So it's been, it's been really fantastic in that respect. And the 356, you know, I didn't, it, it didn't appreciate greatly in my tenure, but, you know, it definitely, you know, a couple thousand dollars more, which was great. The 993, actually, I bought back in 2012 and, you know, that doubled in value. So that was wow. nice. But wow. um, but uh, yeah, so they it's were, but they, they both went to great owners that really appreciated them.
0: Okay. So the two air-cooled are gone. And what do you decide to do? What do you decide to buy? Do you get another air-cooled? Um, what comes next?
1: Um, well, my, my wife had been driving, well, during my, gosh, she's had her Cayenne S pro 13 kindness for she's kind of had it for six or seven years now so she's had that throughout the ownership um but of course you know i drive motorcycles for a bit and then i go what am i doing i just miss i just missed a porsche <laughs> and so yep. i um i found an 09 nine nine seven carrera perfect where
0: did you find that was it a local car or was it a
1: no that was um that was down, so I'm not sure how familiar you are with the geography on the eastern seaboard of the United States, but it was in uh, the state of Georgia. Okay. And um, and so I actually was on a business trip and flew into Georgia instead of flying home. It, it was being, it was traded into a Mercedes dealership. And I found it online before they had posted it um, officially. And uh, and it was blue. It was that blue color. It was beautiful. It was a Carrera, based Carrera.
0: Yes. Um, but 0.2, 997.2 though, right? 2009.
1: So it's 0.2. Yep. Yep. The dot two. Um, and, um, so I flew in, I had given the guy a a deposit right away. He's like, well, you know, I could take some more pictures and get back to you. I said, Nope, here's a, here's a deposit. And I flew in. Sorry, uh, why did you
0: act so fast though? Is that because, you know, there are, we, we know sometimes when cars list in Porsche's list on, you know, Honda dealers or, Mercedes-Benz dealers sometimes the price is a little bit low. Sometimes the dealer is not really onto the pricing or sometimes the dealer just wants to move it fast. Was that part of the reasoning or this car was just a really good car and you wanted a 997?
1: I, I certainly was looking for the dot 2 and um this was probably 2018 and there okay. weren't there weren't you know that was in 09 so because of the ''9 crisis there there weren't many in the U S no. from a, from a volume standpoint. Um, it was, it was a beautiful blue, uh, with a black interior. It was a convertible, uh, oh, okay. Carrera. and, <clears throat> and it was just one of those things that, uh, the price was good. I would say, you know, it, it, it was, it was good for what they were asking. I think that they just wanted, you know, they were a Mercedes dealership. They didn't want to sell a Porsche. Yes. Um, and so, it made sense there, but it was, it was just one of, you know, you get that feeling, Michael, and you're like, oh, I just, it feels good. Let's do it.
0: Look, the 997 is a great car. I've got the point one. Point is obviously a little bit better, <laughs> you know, less worry, I guess. But that's, that's your, what, that's your second, well, we'll call the Boxster a, a convertible. That's your second convertible. The 914 has got the Targa roof, the removable roof. How's the convertible experience? Would you do it again?
1: I would. I would. It's it's fun. I have great memories driving in that boxer with my wife with the top down, you know, and the music blasting and just enjoying a nice day. And you know, I I did that with the Carrera as well. I, I think it's I think it's a lovely thing, especially the newer ones. You know, you don't have the chassis flex that you do like on an FC where those uh, actually I'm sorry, I don't think the SC's were convertibles. I think it was the um the 3.2s. Yes. Um you know, if you went over a bump in those, the whole car would, you know, just bend. Um, and so, you know, they, you weren't compromised that it was a convertible, the newer ones. And I thought it was really lovely. I, it, they're pretty well insulated and, in um, the shape too, you know, I think the 997 did a really great job with the convertible of keeping that silhouette. And, um, and yeah, so it looked good.
0: I think the nine nine. I mean, I think the nine nine one Cabriolet is actually a really good shape, though. I think the nine nine one they did it quite nicely with the roof. Just the, it's just the seamlessness of the roof going into the body. Obviously, the nine nine two is even you know f- finessed even more. But the nine nine seven experience. Nine nine sevens are really sought after now, especially the point twos. And like you said, they were really rare because of the financial crisis in oh eight oh nine. Um, there's not many manuals. There's not many point twos coming up. And when they come up, they come up. You know, in 2018, I think in in Australia, that was probably selling for 140 for a point two, um, which is a lot, which is a lot considering a point one is probably half the half that value. Right. Do you think it's right. a? Do you think it was it a good ownership experience? a 997 because you've missed the 996 here, and I want to ask you about that after that, and you missed the 964. But mm-hmm. how was the experience of owning a 997? Because you didn't own it for very long. It looks like you've sold it. You I sold d- it off pretty quickly.
1: I did, and and. You know i'll I'll certainly answer your question about what I thought of it, but the reason I sold it, you know, I think I probably sold it prematurely, but I sold it at the beginning of the pandemic okay. um, you know, because just with the uncertainty of the world um, uh, it just didn't make sense to have a have a car uh, okay. at that point. and so um you know, of course, in retrospect, right, because the world was gonna end, the zombies were gonna come <laughs> down the street and 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 all that good stuff and and it wasn't
0: right it wasn't the right time to own a porsche was it
1: it didn't feel like the right time but boy oh boy i'll tell you um the 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 porsche market has not done what i thought it was going to do you know at that point so but the 997 carrera the first thing i'll say about that car is that it was incredibly fast um for the base the base carrera you know yeah. I, I drove an S or two and certainly those were fast too, but I was always really surprised about just how quick that car was. Um,
2: yeah,
0: very, I agree. Very... Even the point 0.1, it's almost enough, isn't it? It really does feel like, especially when you're on a windy road, on a twisty road, a mountain road, and you're driving it through those roads, it feels like there's, a, there's enough there. Obviously, you're not getting the handling and stuff of a GT3 or whatever, but the power-wise, the experience is, is more than plenty.
1: I think, I think that's a wonderful way to describe it. I do. I think it was more than adequate. And, you know, I found with that car to really get engaged with it, you were, you were doing illegal speeds. You know, it, it was, it was so capable that to feel a little bit crazy, you were doing something way crazy. And, um, you know, again, to each his own for sure. Uh, You know, I thought, that it was a, a beautiful car the one thing that I was disappointed about it when I first got it was how quiet it was it was a very quiet car compared to some of the cars I'd owned before right um and so I ended up uh getting uh stage two Pfister uh, okay. exhaust on that nice and you know what I actually did is I took it a step further and I got the actually you know what Michael is it's funny. I actually think when I was researching the exhaust, I think I watched your video. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I That's did. An I... That's an old one.
0: That's an old one.
1: It's an oldie but a goodie. But um... yeah,
0: no, I, I like the Pfister. I mean, I'm you know, Darren's a great guy and and he does a great product and it's become so popular over the years. I mean, really has. And he started with the nine nine threes, didn't he? Nine six fours or nine nine threes, and then you know nine nine sevens. And I mean it's it's a great it's a great product for the for the cost. It really does, and it, it still sounds. Look, my car, when you start it on the 997.1, it sounds amazing. When you're reversing, it sounds amazing. When you're going through the twisties, it sounds amazing. But you don't have that drone in the cabin. You don't – it's not terribly loud when you're just driving, but that's kind of what I wanted. Do you know what I mean? That's what I wanted. Um, But when you really want to experience it, the sound is there, which is is more than enough, I think. I say it's more than enough. The other day I drove my car and I thought I need more, but I think it really is. I drove it again the other day and it it feels more – it feels enough, really does.
1: I think I heard you make that comment when you were talking to Stephen in one of your last episodes. Yeah,
0: yeah. I had um, that sort of doubt in my mind, but I think it's okay.
1: If if, I don't know if anyone has this modification by you, but what I did do when I put the fisters on that 997 is I also got the cross pipe. I took out the resonator in the middle and I got the, the, the X pipe, I think they called it. I don't um,
0: know if you can do that on a point one though, can you? I know the 0.2 is people do the shark. Is that the shark works and they do the, the cross pipe? I don't know. I think the point one. there's something.
1: Oh, it, it's not compatible with that. Okay. Yeah, I, wasn't, I, I didn't know that.
0: I don't think it's compatible unless there's something else from, you know, another supply, which another manufacturer, which maybe there is. Maybe there is. Maybe I need to look into that, but I think it's okay for now. So you had the 997 <clears throat> pandemic started. We all know that's still going. It hasn't finished and then you then you are Porscheless you don't have a Porsche so what do you buy you've had a few, all those other cars in between you buy some motorcycles and you buy some other cars what happens in between before we get to your um, your last car your last Porsche
1: i you know you know what filled the gap and and i still have it and i absolutely love it is i bought a, a 2008 mini cooper s cool. and michael it you know uh, i i know i'm super late to the party <laughs> but 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 what a fun little car it is it's a little go-kart it's a manual it has a beautiful like saddle interior with a it's a it's it's a convertible yes. um and um i don't i don't know what people thought of me when i bought it compared to some of the cars <laughs> i might have owned in the past but what i year don't is care. It? what year is it derek your mini coupe it's an '08, so it's it was the I think the last year it was either the last year or the second last year of the first generation supercharged motors. Fantastic. Um, before they went turbocharged, which if you're gonna if you know in my in my opinion in terms of reliability, but also for driving experience, if you were gonna find a car, you'd want to get the supercharged first generation. They're just so much fun.
0: Yeah, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a great car. It's a very popular car, obviously, in the UK and, and even in Australia here. But it's it's a lot smaller to what you've owned before, right? It's quite a small car. It's chunky. I mean, the, the minis are chunky, but they're, they're you know, they're, they've got a bit of width to them, but they're a small car.
1: They are. They are. But a lot like Porsche, even like the 356, inside, there's way more room than you think, um, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, also, what Four I appreciate seats. about that car... It's four C, and, <laughs> and, and the wheels are pushed out to the absolute edges. It reminds me a lot of the 992. You know, they move the wheels out yes. just about as far as they could go. And um, I really think it's fantastic. In saying that, let
0: me, let me just uh, share your Instagram. That's okay to share your Instagram, Derek? Yeah, of course. Um, if you want to go and follow Derek uh, on his Instagram, it's 11 past nine. Spelt E L E V E N past nine N E I N. I'll put the the link to his Instagram to Derek's Instagram in the description of this podcast. Go and have a look while we're talking uh, at the last stages of the podcast, and you'll see the the mini the Mini Cooper S is a bit further down, and uh, Derek's other cars that he's owned plus his motorcycles. It's a really good page, so make sure you give Derek a follow. Mini Cooper S, good choice. I mean, I think it's a good choice. I mean, I've spoken to other owners who have had Minis as well or own Minis. Um, you know as well as as well as 911's great drivers car fun drivers car so you had the bikes you got that little bit of a gap so you had uh, you had some more motorcycles you bought along the line is this when you bought the R9T that's the R9T as well isn't it that you bought
1: yeah I, I think i had the R9T for the last few years last yeah maybe 3 or 3 years 4 years it's a 014 so i bought it used with very low miles and that's a beautiful bike
0: Fantastic. So then when, when does it start happening when you start thinking, I shouldn't have sold my Porsche. I, I need to have one in my garage. <laughs> I'm going to start looking. But this time I'm going to look for something pretty special as well. How does it come about? How does the next one come about? And everyone knows what it is because it's in the description of the podcast, the title of the podcast. But how does your uh, next 9-11 come to be, Derek?
1: Oh, you know, um, it, it was a, a lot of work. It was a lot of work. It was so. I had in my mind that if, if you know, I've always wanted a long hood. I've always wanted an F body. Uh, just, um, I just think they're just the most beautiful shape, you know. And 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 you know, where everything comes from, it's the you know the taproot car. And um, I had a picture at a car show, probably going back 10 or 15 years, of myself with uh, some folks, and I was kneeling in front of a 912. Uh, but it was an Albert Blue 912. And I just thought it was the most beautiful car I'd ever seen. And I always promised myself that someday um, in my Porsche ownership that I'd I'd have a long hood Albert Blue uh, Porsche and that it was a 911T. And I looked specifically for a 1972.
0: 72 is the year, right? I mean, I, you know what makes me think of the 72 as I think of that um, article that I've read, I think so many times the car and driver article have you seen that the original article from 1972 and it's online at the moment and it's the 911 where they talk where they review the 911 t the e and the s all together car and driver review from the 70s um and i think they they praise the t about how even though the power is not as much as the e and the s the experience is if not better um, because the car's quite light. But before we get into that, how did you you say you wanted an albert blue and that's a beautiful color, but how do you find I mean to find a 911 T in 72 model. To find it in, you know, to find one of those in good condition. How do you find one that's that's also in albert blue? How long does that take you?
1: It it took me about I would say 3 years. 3 of, years. 3 years of every day going to um, the same not not only the you know the usual spots of looking for cars hoping they'll pop up but um you know going to the early 9/11 S registry boards and spending time and getting to know folks and honestly just sending notes out and saying hey do you know anyone who knows anyone um and just making connections because i think you're right you know again you know you shouldn't pick color over condition but in this case i was absolutely dead set on having an albert blue which really okay. limited me and um and i'll have to say you know i want to praise that board the early nine eleven nine eleven S registry board um as well as a bunch of other folks that they're if they know you know they they'll say like hey i got a buddy who knows someone that might own one <laughs> Yeah. you know and you just go down the rabbit hole and you have a lot of conversations and a lot of them turn up dead ends and i i also found you met a lot of owners that thought maybe they wanted to sell their car but they really didn't you right. know and through conversations you had to almost be a psychologist and make them understand that they're not ready to let go and yeah so that that's okay too um but the i found my car eventually it was someone who knew someone that knew someone that had one and they were maybe going to sell it once they did a rally okay. and, um, and they were good enough to put me in touch with the person. And I had conversations with this person. He wasn't sure if he was going to sell it. He, if he did, he didn't know what he was going to sell it for. And that process took another eight months or so of just waiting till he was ready. And when he was ready, it was one of those, you know, swallow your your fear of a cost of the car and if you're gonna do it, you know, or you could wait another couple of years and try to find another one. So I decided to jump in.
0: I was gonna say, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's that's the risk that you're, that you're playing there, isn't it? The fact that you are gonna pay top dollar for this car because people know you really want it. They really know you want the color. Um, as friendly as our Porsche community is, people wanna sell their car at the right price. Um, And I think, you know, getting the right colour, and it's like, you know, talking to Blair a couple of weeks ago who had the GT4 in the US, who bought a white one and hated the colour. Even though it was the perfect condition GT4, he bought the white, didn't like it. Two weeks later he sold it because what he really wanted was a fun colour, so he got a blue. Mm. Um, And I think that, I think we all do that. Like, it's almost the perfect spec except for one thing. But if if it's the colour that you really do dislike... It's going to bug you for so long. And I think that's, I think that's great that you actually like pursued it for that long because that's a long time to be chasing a car, three years. That's quite a long time. And it, when, when you got the car, though, you said that you, you preferred the color over the condition. Was the condition okay
1: or not? The condition was, was okay. What was really cool about this car is it was a pretty special car. Um, it, it had the matching numbers motor. Okay. But that was outside the car. And in it, the owner had put a 2.7 liter uh, hot rod motor in. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm, and he had lowered it to, I think, rest of world height, maybe even a touch lower. It has a nice stance to it and, um, and did a couple other small modifications to it, including some seats and whatnot. And so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that 356 that was in a bubble, you know, yes. per- perfect, don't touch it which I kind of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of at a point where I, you know, I, I would love to put my personality in it a little bit and and do what I would want to do. And I don't feel like it's sacrosanct, which right. is great. Um, but the, the color was everything for sure. That, that 356, I loved the red. I loved it. But every time I looked at it, it wasn't a belly blue, you know, and yeah. th- I learned a lesson from that. And I said, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to find an Albert blue.
0: I don't know what it is about blue and long hoods, but they kind of work really well together. You know, the yeah. blue, you know, the blues are just they just work with the shapes so well. They really do. So the the original engine, the matching number engine, you have that engine as well that came with the car? Did you say or I, it didn't come? I do. I do. So that was so it's got a 2.7 in. The original was was the original the was 2.4. 2.4. 2.4, wasn't it? Have do you yeah. think you'll ever put that engine back in or are you just going to leave the 2.7 in it for now?
1: Uh, you know what? <laughs> Having driven it with the 2.7, I I sure want to keep it in there. It is such an amazing engine in that car, and it makes the most beautiful sounds. That um, I think I'm gonna the 2.4. I'm gonna get in great shape, and I'm gonna keep it. And you know, if I you know, it's only a couple bolts to swap them out. And so maybe if someday, maybe I will. But God, that 2.7 is a monster. Uh, You know
0: what I think is cool though that you have actually got the matching number. And like you said, you've got it on the side, you can work on it, you can get other people to help you with it, with the things you don't know what to do, you can put it in a crate, and you've got the original engine for the car, you know what I mean? You can just make it perfect, even if it is, you know, I don't know how perfect it is, but you can make it perfect. So it's kind Isn't of like, a crazy? Good, it's a good project, right? It's a great it's, thing to have, in a way.
1: It's, it's insane to say, right? Because who who would rebuild a motor you're never going to use just, uh, just to <laughs> no. have it but, but 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 i do i i yeah. have it on an engine stand and i want to make it perfect and i want to keep it you know it's i think cool. we would all would do that derek we'd all do that because
0: then you've got you know you're driving the car you're enjoying the car it's not off the road you've got the 2.7 like you said but then you've got the original and you can just make it you know perfect
1: yeah absolutely absolutely it and it and it's it, you know, I feel like you're doing a service to the car by keeping them together, you know, and even if I never put it in, it was what it was born with. And it just feels right. And I know that sounds weird, but it's, it's really cool. So
0: you're searching for three years. You do the deal with the guy, you you pay a little bit more for it, but it's worth it. You've got a great car. You've got the, like I said, 72 911 T first drive. How was it compared to all those other Porsches you've owned and driven?
1: I finally found the 911 SC and surpassed it.
0: it. Fantastic.
1: It was everything I thought it would be and more. And people had said, um, you know, until you drive a, a, a long hood, you know, you just don't really understand. And, and I always thought that was a lot of, you know, <laughs> silliness, right? Because yes. there's a lot of amazing cars. There really are. And Porsche's, you know, every one of Porsche's marquees are just, they're just, the, the cars are are fantastic in their own way, but, God Michael like the 2.7 in that the sound it's it looks from the outside especially in Albert blue it, it on the curves of that car it makes it look very it, i I want to say quaint you know it's a very pretty car
2: mm, and is. uh
1: in the Albert blue it's not like uh, some of the other blues, like Aga Blue, where it might look a little bit dated in, in a good way, you know, like period, I should say. Yeah. The Albert Blue is modern enough that it looks great, but it, it still looks like a classic Porsche. Michael, when you get in that car and you bury it, the the hot rod at 2.7, it, I think it's putting out around, I, I was told around 250 or 260. Really? And it but is the just... Original the
0: original was only about 150, 160, wasn't it?
1: It might've even been less. It might've even been maybe 140. I'm afraid I don't know. Wow. That's a
0: lot in such a light car as well. That must be a, that must be a real experience.
1: It's, it's fast. It is, but even beyond it being fast, the visceral sound, you feel like you're in an old Porsche race car. And I've never been in a, in a a 2.7 RS and I most likely never will. But if if this comes anywhere near to that, I can see why people love those cars so much because the sound, the responsiveness, the anger—it feels like a real race car. Um, and yet, you can hop in it and do—I've—I've I've done a couple hundred miles at a time, and on the highway, it's perfectly, you know, docile.
0: And it looks like it's in really nice condition. The paintwork from from the images on your Instagram. I'm just looking at it now. And the wheels the the, the folks look like they're in perfect condition
1: they're 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 in i would say there's a there's a patina on the paint and there's a patina on the wheels that okay. when you get up close, you can see them, but um I feel like if I were to do anything beyond just you know some you know like light restoration in terms of you know buffing and whatnot, then i wouldn't want to i would I'd be afraid of you know hurting it yeah. <laughs> so I'm okay with that.
0: So you've got a car, you've got a 911 that surpasses the SC. You can drive it. You're not scared to drive it. You've got the spare engine. It's almost the perfect situation, isn't it? And that last picture you posted on your Instagram, the one where you're in the in the country, obviously near where you live, it's just such a great stance from the rear. When you see the car from the rear, it's just got such a nice shape. It really does.
1: It really sits down well. The, yeah. the previous owner did a nice job with the suspension, and um, and it it's, it does have a... A Momo uh, Protipo steering wheel. So, okay. uh, it, the smaller diameter actually, I think, makes it feel a little bit racier, um, and it's really nice. It's just so tactile. It's by far the most engaging car I've ever owned out of any car I've owned. Maybe approaching some of the motorcycles in terms of just pure mechanical, you know, joy. So, uh, I, I'm absolutely over the moon with it. And Fantastic. you know, uh, having owned the cars I've owned. Um, I don't seem... I think this is maybe the one I'd say that I'm going to keep. You're going to sure. keep this one, yeah. I, yeah, And sure.
0: worth, worth the money, that's for sure. Absolutely, the 911T is a beautiful one. How about the sound? Before we get into your favorite drives, how about the sound? Has the sound been tweaked, or is it just standard, the exhaust?
1: So, great question. It, it's currently a Porsche heater box and Porsche... I think it might be a, a regular Porsche m- m- muffler. Right. Um, but... Uh, there's a small oil leak I'm working on fixing. And so I'm going to be putting SSI heater boxes on there. And so the big question is what to do about the muffler. Do I put the original one on yeah. uh, the 2.7 or do I go down the road that you and Steven keep batting around of what, you know, what to do, what Steve. to do.
0: Steve's changing the yeah. muffler again, I think. Oh, is he? I don't know. I won't, <laughs> I won't give it away. See what happens. Um, Derek, we're almost at the end. We've gone over a little bit, but um let's get into your let's get into the drives. You've got this great 911T. You've got the 72 2.7 liter hot rod. We'll call it a hot rod. When you in the region you live in the New England region, New Hampshire, if someone's coming to your to your area and they want to take their car, their Porsche on a really cool drive, where would you recommend for for getting the best experience?
1: there are so in this in the northern states of new england and maine new hampshire and vermont it's um you know really mountainous country it's um uh just absolutely gorgeous with twisty roads almost anywhere but you know if i had to pick one it's one i actually just discovered this fall and having lived here my whole life and driven over driven around new england you know um uh daily with my job um I had never been to what they call the Northern Kingdom of Vermont. And it's this area, if you look at Vermont, and it's um, the, the upper right-hand corner, and right. it's, it's where all the farms, where they make all the cheese, where they make all the dairy from you know the state of Vermont. And they have the most gorgeous roads and just pastoral farms that you crest hills, and and there's no one there. There's no one there, wow. and the roads are yours. And to drive that in fall, is it's from a picture book.
0: Fantastic. <clears throat> and you can take the family because you've got four seats.
1: Do your, <laughs> Do your boys fit in the back?
0: Do your boys fit in the back? It's not
1: too small? If, even if I have to fold them in half, we are going to fit <laughs> in the back. Because
0: <laughs> they are a bit smaller, those long hoods in the back seats. I've sat in one a long, long time ago, and it's a bit of a twist to get in there, that's for sure.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, well, it's... They'll, um, they're going to gladly try because uh, it's a fantastic sound. They used to, I remember specifically with, the, with my 930 that I used to put one of my sons to sleep in the backseat and just fall asleep to the sound.
0: <laughs> to the vibration and the noise. Yep. All right. I just want to tell the listeners again, go and uh, look at uh, Derek's Instagram. It's 11 past nine, nine is spelled N E I N. I'll put the, the link in the description. Have a look at his uh, Instagram. Give him a follow, tell him you heard his story on um, Porsche Cool owner stories. Derek, we're at the end. We've almost gone to an hour and a half. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we, um, before we go today?
1: Gosh, well, thank you for the time. It was, it was fun. It was fun talking about some of these older cars. Um,
2: yeah, the only maybe the only thing I'd say is you know if if I were to look back in into some of the cars that I've been really lucky enough to have, is that the only thing I'd say maybe to the younger owners, you know, the aspiring Porsche owners, is um, don't wait. You know, um, I think a lot of people say like I'm going to make a goal for myself later in life, or if I have some sort of you know uh, you know situation down the line, then I then I'll do it. But um, you know, the cars now are unfortunately so expensive. But if you can find, you know, what is whatever it is considered entry level now, and that's a whole different discussion, I would say just just do it, you know, because uh, you'll build you'll build your your driving repertoire from there. But you'll fall in love with the brand and whatever you'll find you're going to enjoy. So I'm glad I did. I'm glad I started early and it's been a, it's been a fun ride. And And thanks for taking me back down that that journey. I appreciate it.
0: No, it was great to chat, and I think I think you're spot on with what you just said. Then you know, like experience it now. You know what I mean? Don't wait. You know, don't try and save for a GT three or something so expensive that's out of your reach now. Just get a Porsche that you can afford, um, and and enjoy it. Like like what you have, and I think you really have. You've had, you know, you've owned eleven Porsches. Of course, we've got the the Cayenne in there, which is your which is your wife's car, which we didn't talk that much about. Um, but you've had eleven Porsches. Your current one, I mean, you've you know, from the 924, 944s. 924 was a project which didn't work out. The 944, the SCs, the Boxsters, 993, 356C, which maybe one day you'll grab another one. You think, Derek?
2: I definitely see that. Yeah, I do miss that car. I I took it racing once on a racetrack, and it was really fun. And uh, it I I could definitely see myself owning into that again.
0: But the, um, and, and now, you know, the 997, now you've got the 911T and you waited for the right color, you waited for the right car. And I think, you know, you've, you've told the listeners today that it was, it was definitely worth the wait um, and you've definitely got a keeper for sure. Derek, thank you so much. Thanks, for, thanks so much for being on Owner Stories. I really appreciate it.
2: It was a real pleasure. Cheers.
0: All right, everyone. That's Derek coming in from New Hampshire. Uh, Derek with his 1972 Porsche 911T, Albert Blue. originally a 2.4. He's got the spare engine, even better. And he's also got a Kion, which is his wife's car. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now.